suffer, born to Two records for us the story that Gracie just sang about. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Cornelius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared around them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said, for I bring you uh, news that will be a great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Good morning and Merry Christmas. This story that I just read for you is a familiar story. We've, we've all heard it, especially if you grew up in the church, but even if you haven't, if you've watched a Charlie Brown Christmas, you've heard it. The fact is that most of you in this room have accepted Christ as your Savior. And so the Christmas story, it's kind of like an old pair of nice uh, old shoes. It's kind of got holes, and we've kind of grown past wearing them. They took us where we wanted, us to, wanted them to take us. But the truth is, it's kind of old news. I mean, honestly. It's, the, the season isn't old. We like the romanticism of it. We like getting together with family. We love the food. We love the presents. But because we've accepted Christ's offer to forgive our sin, it just doesn't feel as life-impacting as it should. This morning... I'd like to help you remember why it matters to you today as a child of God that Jesus came. I'd like to remind you that this is a significant story. One of the things that we do as a family, I'm going to sneak by you guys, is we love stories. And one of my favorite Christmas stories is called All is Well. I think the last time we read it here was about eight years ago. But in light of what we've been studying as a church family over the past few weeks, I wanted to read it to you again. All is well. Because God entered our world as a child born in a manger, all is well. We all know that. Well, sort of. I mean, all is well would make a nice plaque on the wall or a nice greeting. It's kind of like God is good and in all things give thanks. But all is well? I mean, do we really see it that way? At Christmas time, we act like we believe it. But all too often, as far as we can see, nothing is well. I guess it depends on where you're standing and how good the view is from there. That's how it was for Ruth Preston and her little daughter, Jenny. It was July. There was no snow, no tinsel, nothing but the real world no matter where you looked. It had been almost two years since the divorce, and Ruth and Jenny's last Christmas had been a total flop. Ruth still didn't want to think about it. Christmas or even anything connected with it, nothing that is except the little phrase, all is well. She had first heard the phrase at Christmas time many years ago, and for some reason, it had stuck in her memory. 
Now she held on to that phrase. She needed something to keep her spirits up, to keep their hopes alive. Mom, didn't you buy any Cheerios? Asked Jenny as her mother returned from the grocery store. No, she said. But look at it this way. I mean, we saved money, and I didn't have to carry as much stuff home. I didn't have to carry Cheerios or ice cream or popcorn or cocoa or actually I didn't even have to bring any dish soap home. Just feel how light the grocery bag is. Yeah, nice and light and easy to carry, said Jenny, trying to go along with her mom. So all is well, right? Ruth asked her daughter. All is well, Jenny answered, barely above a whisper. I think I heard an answer, honey, Ruth said, holding her hand to her ear. Well, all, all is well, mom, all is well, Jenny responded with lively determination. That's the stuff. It won't be long now before I'll be getting a raise at work. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to be better, Ruth tried to sound hopeful to her. Th then you could go back to nursing school, asked Jenny. Well, no. I'll still have to work to pay the bills. Besides, I don't need that old nursing school anyway. I can work, Jenny offered, eager to help out. Thanks, honey, but you're just too little. Well, I could sell stuff. Honey, we've sold everything that isn't nailed down. But mom, we got to have faith, remember? Well, that's what I've always said, Ruth agreed. So can I? Jenny asked her mother. She was thinking about other things at that point, though. Did we get any mail, Ruth wanted to know. Well, I put it on your dresser, said Jenny. Ruth hoped that perhaps there would be child support check from Jenny's dad, but it didn't come that day. Ruth opened an envelope and began to frown. What is it, Mom? It's, uh, uh, it's, well, it's having a hard time explaining. She simply said it was a letter from their landlord. Is he mad? He's, uh, it's going to be fine. We'll make it. Ruth's words were as much to convince herself as they were to encourage Jenny. All is well, said Jenny. All is, uh, Ruth tried to repeat it with more hope than she felt. All, all is well. So can I, Jenny pleaded? Can you what, her mother asked. Can I sell stuff? Ruth just nodded yes. It was early on Saturday, and the neighbors could hear the rumble and squeak of Jenny's wagon as she went from house to house. Timidly, she knocked at every door. Hi, I'm Jenny Preston, and I'm buying and selling stuff. Abby Duvall, the plumber's wife, was still in her bathrobe. She hadn't had her coffee, and now the light of day was making her squint. What are you selling? It looks like junk to me. Well, it's good junk. I mean, look at this. Honey, that's a coffee can. Well, you could keep things in it. And look, if you turn it over, the shiny side on the bottom, actually, it's like a mirror. You can see yourself. Mrs. Duvall laughed. I don't need any more empty cans around this house. Well, I've got an egg carton, and you can keep jewelry or buttons in and small things in it. No, said Mrs. Duvall. Ginny opened a small box full of mismatched tangles and old and new things from here and there, sparkly surprises. How about some Christmas ornaments in July? Well, you could buy them now and use them later. Mrs. Duvall did take a moment to paw through this box, but she finally shook her curlered head. Nah, I don't, I don't need to be thinking about Christmas right now. I've got enough problems. Don't you like Christmas? Well, honey, I guess some need it and some don't. Hey, did you say you're buying stuff? Yes, ma'am. Hang on a second. Mrs. Duvall left Ginny standing at the door. When she came back, she had what looked like a wooden candlestick or maybe it was a spindle or a table leg or something. I got this at a white elephant party. I'll take a dollar for it. Ginny bit her lip. Well, the truth is I, I haven't sold anything yet. Maybe after I sell something, I can come back. Mrs. Duvall laughed. Here, maybe you can get a buck for it yourself. Wow, really? Thank you so much. Good luck, Jenny. 
the rest of the morning didn't go much better. Junk seemed to be something everybody had plenty of and nobody needed to buy. God, you just got to help me sell something. I don't want mom to be sad anymore, Jenny prayed. All of a sudden, she heard a honk of a horn. It was Mr. Patrick in his old red truck. Jenny waved hello because Mr. Patrick always waved back. But this time, he pulled to a stop and rolled down his window. Hey there, Jenny. Well, hi, Mr. Patrick. Mr. Patrick had a white fuzzy hair and a round red nose. He would have made a good Santa Claus. He liked kids too. He'd probably always let, he'd always let Jenny and her friends cross their yard to get into the woods. What do you have there in the wagon, honey? I'm buying and I'm selling special things today. You want to take a look? Mr. Patrick parked his truck and he got out. He was dirty. He'd been digging ditches for the county again. I've got a shiny coffee can and a nice egg cart. Well, what's this thing here? Mom used to open jars with it. It's broken, Jenny. Yes, sir, I know. But you can scratch your back with it. Look it, I'll show you. Jenny showed Mr. Patrick just how it would work. Very clever, honey. What's in that box? Oh, it's just Christmas stuff. I, I guess it's the wrong time of year because nobody wants to buy it. Let me see it. Jenny opened the box and the sunlight danced across the silver and gold sparkles. Mr. Patrick carefully picked up each piece. There was a, a toy soldier and a teddy bear, a silver star. He must have been seen something that touched his heart. Jenny could see it in his face. I'll give you $10 for the whole box, Mr. Patrick said. Jenny couldn't even talk. Her eyes and her mouth were wide open. Mr. Patrick pulled out a crinkled bill and put it in Jenny's hand. Merry Christmas, honey. $10, wait till mom sees it, wow. To Jenny, $10 seemed like a fortune. But her mom would know immediately that it wouldn't go very far. Paying overdue bills wasn't something $10 could do. It wouldn't fill in empty cupboards or pay the rent either. Oh, Jenny, that's so wonderful. Ruth tried to sound cheerful, but her eyes were red and Jenny knew she'd been crying. What's the matter, Mom? It's nothing, Jenny, nothing. We're, we're doing great and gosh, you're being such a big help. $10, wow. So, so all is well, right? What? Uh, wait, uh, yeah, you bet, Jenny. All is well. But Jenny didn't feel good. She could only stare at her sad mother's face. Mom, tell me how come. How come what, Jenny? How come all is well? Ruth sighed and rested her elbows on her desk. Jenny, it, it just is. We, we have to believe that. We, we don't have a choice. But you always used to tell me why. Every Christmas, you would tell me why all is well. Do you remember? Of course I remember, Ruth told herself. It was because, well, it was... Ah, it's the baby. Uh, she'd had so much on her mind lately, and it was a long time ago. Truthfully, Ruth didn't remember. She just sat there and he couldn't say a word. She could feel the blood drain from her face. Jenny must have seen it too because she reached and touched her mother's hands. Mom? That's all she said, and then she stopped suddenly. Jenny had remembered something. Oh, no, she gasped quickly. She turned and she ran to the door. Jenny, where? Jenny? It was too late. She was gone. Not looking back, she felt terrible. There was something Jenny had to find. First she looked in the storage shed out back, and then she went through the boxes left over from the yard sale. She even pawed through some of the trash, but she couldn't find it. Oh no, it must have been in the box that she sold to Mr. Patrick. So she grabbed her wagon and pulled it down the street, clickety-clack to Mr. Patrick's house. That pleasant old man came to the door as soon as she knocked. Mr. Patrick, please, I need to buy back one of those Christmas things. It was this, um, a little dangly thing on a string and had glittery letters on it. Was it the clay one? That's it. Jenny, I'm sorry, I, I don't have that anymore. I actually gave it to Mrs. Perringer. She, well, 
she and her husband have been having some rough times lately, and I thought it might encourage her a bit. Mr. and Mrs. Perringer? It's the greenhouse over there with the rail fence. Ginny ran to their house, pulling the wagon behind. Mrs. Perringer, I need to buy something back. It's a, it's a little dangly thing on a string, and it made, it's made of clay, and her face had the most peaceful smile on it. I know the one you're talking about, sweetheart. I, I don't have it anymore. I thought it might be a blessing to the Buxtons, so I gave it to them. She ran to the Buxtons, and they had given it to the Smith family. She went to the Smith family, and then the Jones and Severson, up and down the street she went. Finally, she came to John Ketchum's house. Mr. Ketchum, I'm Jenny Preston from up the street, and I need to buy something back. I don't have any money, but here you can have this coffee can that you can put things in, and, and this egg carton, and it's good for buttons and small things and wooden things, and I, I don't know what it is. It's a back scratcher. It's broken, but you can have my wagon. Just please, I've got to have that little tiny clay thing back. Jenny had actually been gone for about two hours. Ruth wanted to go find her. She was worried, but then they'd be all alone, and just the two of them and in their little apartment with bare walls and peeling paint, and, and Jenny's eyes would be asking the same question that Ruth had lost the answer for. Mom, how come all is well? What could she tell her? The same old thing, all is well, don't worry. Keep your chin up, kid. All's well. Oh, God, she said, if you have given up on us, if you don't care about us anymore, you've got to let me know right now because I can't go on acting like you do. Ruth didn't hear Ginny come in. Mom? Ginny's cheeks were red from running. Mom, I got it back. It was a little clay Christmas ornament. Ruth took it and turned it over a few times, and the, me the memories came flooding back. Ginny, where in the world did you find this? It was in a box with some of the other Christmas stuff. I accidentally sold it to Mr. Patrick, and he gave it to Mrs. Perringer, and she gave it to the Buxtons, and Ginny named every stop she'd made all around the neighborhood. And then Mr. Ketchum just gave it back to me. He didn't even keep my wagon. Do you remember now, Mom? Do you remember? Ruth remembered. Jenny had made this ornament when she was five. It was misshapen. The painted colors were faded. But the message was clear. On one side were those words, all is well. On the other side was the reason. For unto us a child is born. A sudden gleam of hope filled Ruth's face. And Jenny could see it. All is well, huh, Mom? Ruth clasped her hands around that little lump of clay and held on. All is well, Jenny. Can't see it right now, but some way, somehow, all is well. When you're the storyteller, you know things about people in your story that the people in your story don't know. For instance, I know why all the neighbors were passing the ornament around. They were buying it from each other to raise money for the Prestons. It was Mr. Patrick's idea. And tomorrow, they're going to take all that money they collected and go to the door and holler, Merry Christmas, even if it is July. So I know that Ruth and Jenny will be taken care of, and I know that eventually Ruth will finish nursing school, and I know things won't be easy, but they will make it. Ruth knows it too. Nobody's told her. She can't see any of it yet, but now she remembers how come all is well. For she knows, and she'll tell Jenny once again that God is the grand storyteller of our lives. She'll tell her that in a stable in Bethlehem so long ago, God wrote himself into history. And now... He walks with us in the midst of our story, and he'll stay with us until the story is completed his way, in his time, and for his glory. And that's how come all is well. Remember?
You guys did awesome. Didn't they do great? I think we should especially congratulate the parents who survived that ordeal, huh? You know, um, one of the things that uh, we do at Carpenter's Way is we, are, we try to be honest. And I want to take the next few minutes and, and have an honest conversation. Um, for most of us, as I already mentioned before I read the story, Christmas is uh, um, important, especially in the Bible Belt. You, you turn on TV, you go in the stores, and, and it's Merry Christmas, and the songs are playing, the, the, the song that the kids sang, Away in the Manger. And especially for those of us who have accepted Christ's offer to forgive our sin, and if you have not, you need to. But the truth is, there's a lot of noise in life, not making enough money like the woman in the story, maybe marriage problems like the woman in the story. And we're not sure how, how the birth of Jesus Christ, once we're not going to hell, really affects our lives. And I'm here to tell you it does. I heard a guy on TV last week talking about this, and it really struck me. He was discussing winter solstice. Uh, you may or may not know that that is December 21st. It's the shortest day of the year. And it's that day of the year that actually it feels and looks and science says that darkness is winning. There's more dark than there is light that day. But what's ironic is on the 22nd of December every year, even, even though you can't recognize it, the light starts winning again. Immediately at midnight on the 22nd of December every year, Though there's more light than there is darkness. It starts. It's slow, and unless you know about it, you don't know it's happening. And that's the way it is for the child of God because of what happened 2,000 years ago. Um, over the last month, or actually it's been over the last year and a half, but we have been studying some things together, and in the last month I've, made some, I, I've pointed some things out to you. Number one, the nation of Israel thought that what they needed was to be like every other nation. That's what they thought they needed. They thought their answer was a human king, and that ended up causing major problems. And what they needed, God told them, and eventually the prophets told them, is they need a Messiah. They needed a Savior. They needed Jesus. They thought they needed something else, but what they needed was eternal hope. They needed somebody to save them from their sins and into eternal life. We studied one of their kings, Solomon. We spent a lot of time with him. And this was a guy that Scripture tells us was the wealthiest, smartest, or wisest man to ever live. Everything he went out to accomplish, he did accomplish. And at the end of his life, he wrote a couple letters to, or, uh, books to his son. One is Ecclesiastes. And in the last verse of that long letter, it basically says, this is my advice. All of that is vanity. What you need is to worship and obey God. Know God. The answer to Solomon's life quest was Jehovah. Then we studied last week the answer to man's problem. We went through the history of the world starting in the garden and we realized that man's real problem isn't money or inhumanity to man or, or a lack of religiosity, but hope and forgiveness. And we talked about how if you don't have a relationship with God, you can have that not by being better or the Ten Commandments, but by Jesus Christ. And we spent a lot of time talking about that. But it does leave us with a question of why do I still need him? If I've already been saved, why do I need him? What does Christmas offer me? Christmas wasn't just the Messiah coming, but it was, almost, it was also promises kept. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Jehovah God told Adam and Eve, who had just fallen, that even though the serpent had bruised her heel, that eventually her offspring was going to crush his head. And that is the first prophecy that we have that God is going to take care of our problem his own, on his own. That's what Christmas is the fulfilled promise of. But I've got to remind you that that's not the only promise that God made to his children. That was a promise God made to the world. But to those of us who have accepted his offer to forgive our sin, God made many other promises. And one of the last promises he made in John 14 is I'm going to leave you now and I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I'm done and when your, the mission on earth is done, I'm going to come back and get you. You see, for the child of God, our hope is not found in a better job or more money or a better spouse or a spouse that treats us with respect or a culture that likes what we believe, but real hope is found, now that we're saved from hell, real hope is found in actually believing the promises of God. I want to just read for you, and it's going to be on the screen from Revelation chapter 21. This describes what awaits those of us who are God's kids. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Then I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Now this is the part I want you to pay attention to. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And then the one sitting on the throne, Jesus himself said, look, I am now making everything new. And he said to me, John, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. I told you about a month ago, that Christmas was kind of weird for me. I love Christmas. I love all the stuff about it. And every year I try to do an advent calendar to help me anticipate, to try to feel maybe what Mary and Joseph were feeling as they walked to Bethlehem. What Mary must have been feeling is she's about to give birth to the Savior that was told to her through dreams and, and angels. And you know what? I have failed every year until this year. Something happened in my heart this year. This year I began to realize that if I understand that for me as a child of God, that this wasn't just him saving me, but also proving that he can be trusted, then his promise to come back and his promise to take care of me for eternity and his promise that wealth would never be a problem and sickness won't ever be a problem again, if, he could, if I can trust him for salvation, I can trust him for hope. And things start changing. For the same anticipation Mary felt about the birth of her child, we can feel about the return of our Savior. He has promised that to us. And as we go into 2019, your hope does not have to be found in finding a husband. Your hope does not have to be found in finding a better job. Your hope does not have to be found in a, in a better political setup or more money or whatever it is. If you, are, if you are sick, if you have just been diagnosed with something that will eventually take your life, according to the doctors, I'm here to tell you that hope is still found in the place that there will be no more suffering and no more sorrow. The answer is not in this life. It's in the promise of the one who came. 2,000 years ago. And that's why we celebrate. While the is Jews were looking for their Messiah to come, to save them, while we look back on him and thank him for saving us from our sins, I'm here to tell you this morning, Christian, that your hope is not found in this life. You will be disappointed at every turn. Your hope is found in the baby in the manger who promised to come and promises to come again.
If you do not know him today, cry out to him. He's listening. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, Jesus said, and I'll give you rest. Call on his name and you'll be saved. Ask the person who you came with about him and he will tell you, or come up after and I'll introduce you to my father. But I really want to talk to those of you who accepted Christ maybe a long time ago. Are you disappointed? Are you discouraged? There's more depression at this time of the year than any other time. I'm here to tell you the reason you're struggling with that is because you put your hope in the wrong place. You put your hope in the same place that the Hebrews did. You put your hope in the same place that Solomon did. And I'm here to tell you this morning that one of the things we've been learning this last year is Jesus Christ is still the answer.
So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of his gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and he will find grace to help us when we need it most. Christ has come, oh Christ has come, hallelujah, so let us sing. Takes away all our sins. 
Christ has come. Christ has come. I want to do something here a little different. Um, I know there's kids in the room, and uh, it's not as probably as quiet as normal. Mark just talked about how we forget. Uh, we just rush through, and I actually made a comment to someone earlier today. I'm like, man, I kind of wish Christmas would just be over with. It's so busy, just running and running and running, and you got this party and this thing to do, and you kind of forget. You just kind of lose sight of what's going on. And so what I want to do is just take a minute. Um, we're not going to play anything. You can stand. You can sit. Just reflect. Uh, just take a second. Just stop. Just stop with the noise. Stop with everything. Just reflect on what's been done. And then we're going to sing some Christmas carols. We're going we're gonna to sing together. We're going to rejoice. Let's just take a minute, just a small minute right here in the middle of this, and just, just think about what, what this means, what this means that Christ has come. Hark the hair. 
not only Christmas Day, dear Lord, not only on Christmas Day, but until I see you face to face, may I live my life this way. Just like the baby Jesus I ever hoped to be, resting in your loving arms and trusting in your sovereignty. And like the growing Christ child in wisdom, daily learning, may I ever seek to know you with my mind and spirit yearning. Like the sun so faithful, let me follow in your light, meek and bold, humble and strong, not afraid to face the night, nor cowardly to suffer and stand for truth alone, knowing that your kingdom awaits my going home. Not afraid to sacrifice, though great may be the cost, mindful how you rescued me from broken-hearted loss. Like my risen Savior, the babe, the child, the son, may my life forever speak of who you are and all you've done. So while this world rejoices and celebrates your birth, I treasure you, the greatest gift, unequaled in your worth. I long to hear the same words that welcomed home your son. Come, good and faithful servant, your master says, well done. And may heaven welcome others who will join with me in praise because we lived for Jesus Christ not only on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, Carpenter's Way. Uh, why don't you guys get up on your feet? We're going to leave kind of celebrating, uh, singing joy to the world. Um, so sing this with us. Let every heart 
Merry Christmas, guys. Don't forget, we have the movie tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow's our Christmas Eve service at 6. Merry Christmas.